What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Keeping Up With Cash. It is your host, Cash Money Morgan. Um, uh, you guys, how have you guys been doing? It is crazy. April, Aries month, my birthday month, Easter. Uh, life has been wild. I have an amazing guest with me here today. Um, all the way from Oklahoma, please give a big round of applause to Lindsey Brown. Hey, hey. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, Lindsay, you're my dog. I don't know how your April has been, but mine has been already insane. Um, yes, I'm right there with you. I'm in a crazy new season of been married for six months now, and we have a new house and new puppy already. Within like the last week, we got the new dog. So just a lot of new and lot. craziness. She's <laughs> but, like, I have a new but, dog. I have a new little baby. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been it's been crazy, but it's been so blessed. Yeah, that's awesome. And then there's me, who's like, yeah, I went to Kansas, had a wild time, went to Nashville. And now I just be chilling, <laughs> chilling. <laughs> um, but I want to thank you so much for coming all the way to Springfield for this interview. You are just the bestest for the restest. You guys, Lindsay's so cute. You'll see. Just peep my Instagram. She's so cute. Oh my um, gosh. Anyways, so, so we'll just get into right away a little bit about you. So can you give us kind of your background, like where you grew up, where you live now, what you're doing, stuff like that? Yeah. So I grew up in Springfield, Missouri. I did not do a whole lot <laughs> of moving outside. I um, I moved a lot within Springfield. Parents were divorced, so I've moved. I've lived probably every single corner, every single where in Springfield. Um, I told myself that I was never going to get married, never going to move, never do any of that. And then God was like. <laughs> You wrong. Um, Wait, real quick. So, what would you say is the best and worst part of Springfield? Like to live. Okay. I oh goodness. I'm also. I have to say, I'm the person who was in Springfield my entire life, and I still don't know directions. I'm like, yeah, at the corner of Hy-Vee, you're just gonna take a left at the, right. at the KFC, like that. Um, but I would say my favorite place to live was closer to like New Covenant Academy area. Okay. You know? Okay. Because I don't like the craziness of busy Springfield. Yeah. I like it when it's quiet, but it's just a drive away from right everyone and everything. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. But she's like, worst one, North Glenstone. Nah. <laughs> I'm just gonna <laughs> That's um, fine, we know. But yeah, so I was in Springfield. I went to all the schools here, went to Evangel University. Uh, before that, went to James River College, um, which is a sister school of Evangel. Um, and then shortly after that, got engaged, um, married, moved to Miami, Oklahoma to be with my husband and closer to his family. And um, I work in Joplin now, so I'm just now all over the place. <laughs> right, right. So what did you study in college, and then what are you, like, what is your job right now? I have a minor in leadership at James River College. I went through the leadership school, and it was a lot of hands-on ministry. I am so grateful for that school. Um, and then when I transferred to Evangel, I got my strategic communications degree, which is advertising, public relations. And so what I do now in Joplin is I work at Keller Williams Realty, and I am the director of first impressions, which means I uh, am basically the front desk receptionist, but I'm also like, uh, kind of like the admin for a lot of the in-house agents. So the agents who don't put their listings onto um, the MLS or just put it out into the open, I'm the one who does their listings, puts it under contract. Uh, I do the commission request. Um, I do a lot, <laughs> but I love it there. That's awesome. And so you want to pursue real estate, would you say? You know, I don't even know. I, that whole opportunity came from God. Um, I, my dad is in real estate and we joke saying that I've been in real estate since I was like eight because I would do all the open houses and Selling show Joplin, houses. obviously. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> um, but I didn't think that that's where I was going to be, but God just opened the door and it has been a big blessing. So I don't know if it's something that I want to continue. I know for sure that when I was 15, God called me into ministry and whatever that looks like, 
I'm my hands are open and it might be I work in real estate and then do ministry alongside my husband or it might be I'm learning things here in this season at Keller Williams that are going to equip me and help me for the ministry that God has for me years down the road. I don't know. I'm just like, okay, God, here I am. This is where you put me. What do you want me to learn? Right, right. And we really don't know. Like, I never thought I'd be doing marketing at a metal company, but rock on. Hashtag (laughs) go stainless steel. Like, (laughs) love it. So, (laughs) but that's true. You just, you know, you're being obedient. You're like, here I am. You're learning stuff. And you, like, I I had an internship in college where I did events and literally I'm, I'm like, I'm dressed up as Jasmine at a kid's birthday party. Like, how is this going to help me in my future? But now I know from doing that internship how to do an entire event for my job now. That's so awesome. you just never know where the, you know, puzzle pieces are going to come together and when that's going to happen and all that stuff. Um, But so one of the reasons why I really wanted Lindsay here is because uh, we, we have similar stories, but they're very different. And I know Lindsay is someone that God brought in my life at an exact moment for an exact yes. reason. And that is something that I'm so grateful for. So we met my senior year. Well, we, we've been, we've known each other. For yeah. junior and senior year, yeah. we didn't get close until senior, senior year. year. Yeah, so we had classes together. We were in projects, stuff like that. But I remember distinctly, like senior year, I was going through a tough time, like very, like a lot of heartbreak and sadness. And, but the thing about that is, you know, if you're going through a heartbreak and a sadness, that's tough. But if you're doing that on top of having severe mental health issues or medical issues, I mean, it is just unreal how hard that is. So I remember there was one day I like woke up super late. I was having all these stomach issues because I had a puking problem and I just couldn't keep any food down. It was a constant war with my body. I didn't like, it was just, I didn't want to go to class anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember driving to school with, the only thing I have is like, tropical smoothies. I just, nothing was, I couldn't eat anything. And I remember running in the parking lot and just wanting to cry, being late to class. And Lindsay was also late to class. (laughs) She was like, girl, what's going on? And I'm like, I just don't want to dump this on you. But um, like, this is happening. This is breaking my heart. But I also, I can't eat. I gag at everything. Nothing is working. Like, I'm so skinny. I feel so unhealthy. And you know, Lindsay had like a different story. It was very similar, but she was like, girl, I understand. She was like, I understand what it's like to literally hate eating, to, to not be able to feel comfortable in your body, to just, just to feel all these things. And so immediately, I mean, that was, Lindsay's one of the only people in my entire life that can understand where it's like, oh my gosh, like I have to eat dinner and do all this stuff. And I know our stories are different where it's like, Mine is because literally things would not stay in my stomach. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is like anxiety and stress and whatever. But you don't meet people like that every day where like I would rather sleep all day than have to eat something, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's not because, oh, whatever. But for me, you know, it was because of medical issues and mental health stuff. And so Lindsay was the shining light and we had so many conversations and moments and prayer. And I, I mean, I can say today, like thank God for doctors and people who could help me in different diets where I can finally enjoy eating. I still don't feel like I eat, like I'm not exactly the most healthy place yet, but I don't puke four times a week anymore. And mm-hmm. for that, I'm so grateful. Um, but Lindsay, you definitely have a very interesting, inspiring story. Um, do you kind of want to get into that? Yeah. Um, but before I do, I wanted to say something that I don't even think you know about that day that we really got close and connected. So like she said, she was in the parking lot. We both were running late and per usual. Sorry, Pace Miller. Like, (laughs) Hey, now that might've been you. I'm normally on time, but this was a divine intervention. So, um, we, I just remember we're like, we're already late. Let's just stay here and pray in the parking lot. But, um, so I was late because that same day I was having extreme anxiety, um, with my eating disorder. I actually had a full on binge that morning and I, um, had, been running late because I was just, I was having that panic attack. I was binging, trying to purge. Um, rough morning. And then I saw you and you shared what was going on. And I just felt the Holy Spirit give me the courage to pray for you. 
And as we were walking to class, it was actually comforting to me at the same time because what the Holy Spirit wanted to speak to you through me, he was also speaking to me Um, Because I remember saying, show yourself grace through the season. Um, Show yourself mercy. And um, those were words I needed to that exact same day. Wow. And I ended up leaving that class and saying, thank you, Jesus, for bringing her to the same spot in that parking lot. Because (laughs) you say that you needed me there. You were a huge encouragement to me that same time. Because... Honestly, I felt like because I had a lot of shame that morning, I was like, who am I to be able to pray for her? Who am I to be able to speak this life to her when I'm struggling with this and she doesn't even know? And it was just the Holy Spirit taking over and saying, you might be speaking this to her, but you need to speak it over yourself as well. Wow, that's huge. You, you never know what God's got cooking in the kitchen. Like, I mean, come on, you know, we're both in this speech class running late and I'm out here thinking nobody gets what I'm going through. I can't even eat. Like, I just want to throw up all the time. Like, my stomach is always hurting. And then, you know, you're there and God did something in both of us. And that's insane, you know? It is. And God is good. God's timing is perfect. And around that same time, I was reading a book called Divine Intervention, and it talked about how people who tend to have to-do lists and routines, they um, get angry when things interrupt that. Right. And um, it just like humbled me because if I'm so stuck on my to-do list and I don't have spiritual eyes to see that it could be a divine intervention, a divine opportunity, I'm going to over, I'm going to miss it. Yeah. And, um, that was a divine intervention and an opportunity for both of us. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, I just wanted to say that, but, um, so for my story, At 15 years old, I was diagnosed with anorexia. However, my eating disorder did not start until I was um, actually six years old. Six years old? Yes. Wow. It was not visible until I was 15. Mm. And um, like I said before, uh, my, my parents were divorced. I grew up in a very dysfunctional home life. I traveled back and forth from each house every week, every weekend. I felt like I didn't have a lot of control or comfort and I, my little brain at six years old didn't know how to process grief. All I knew is, oh, food makes me feel better. And so at six years old, I used food as an emotional comfort. I used it as a control because though my environments might not have been the same at both places, food was. And so that was my control. And it started to change whenever I got into later elementary school. So as a six-year-old, when you're saying food is your comfort, is that like you're overeating or? Yes. Because it was, okay. It was um, even like an escape. Like if I was stressed or grieving and I didn't even know what was going on in my mind, I could escape that and think, ooh, I have strawberry ice cream in in the freezer. And it would just be a temporary Uh, numbness and I like once that ice cream's gone oh no like I have to deal with my emotions again back to the refrigerator I go and so the distraction the escape yeah, yeah yeah even at six years old um but whenever I got into later elementary school middle school that's when you know boys have things to say that's when girls have things to say and i got some pretty hateful comments of um you can't sit with us unless you lose weight or you can't play with us at recess um the only thing you can play is the biggest loser i was the fat ugly friend i was the i'm not interested in you but your friend can you get like and those words sting yeah and um I didn't know it at the time, but with my parents' divorce, I had a seed of rejection. And it just started to blossom with the words that other people were speaking to me. And I still used food as a comfort and a control, but with the words they said, I reversed it. I thought, okay, I can still use food as um, an escape by counting the calories, by counting how many calories I burn, 
Um, and it became like a game of let's see how few I can get this time. And I, in my mind, I really believed that if I lost enough weight or if I looked pretty enough, if I looked this way, I wouldn't be rejected. I would be accepted. I would be wanted and I would be loved. And that's just that seed started to blossom. So where do you think you got that mindset just from people giving, you know, those nicknames as a young kid or oh, absolutely. rejection? Like, oh, if I look like one of the Kardashians or something, then I will be accepted, then I will be beautiful or something. Absolutely. Um, I, I would say that because that was the biggest um, influence in my life at that time, a re my relationship with food, it started to influence my relationship with people. And when people have something to say about your body of, I don't want you, I want her, or you can't be with us because of how you look. It just wired in my brain of, oh, okay, I'm not allowed to be loved unless I lose weight. Wow. And um, so little by little. Which is disgusting. I'm sorry. I literally hate that you had to go through any of these experiences. And that is the most toxic thing I've ever heard in my life. So. Well, not the most toxic, but <laughs> second most toxic. <laughs> well, um, little by little, I started to uh, restrict, started coming up with my own rules. And I was also an athlete at that time. So when I really started to heavily restrict, I was also heavily exercising. And the weight was shedding like crazy. And people were complimenting me. People were praising me. I had... Um, boys interested in me and I couldn't have cared less about having a relationship all I wanted was to feel accepted yeah and by getting these compliments I was thinking oh what I'm doing is working and I kept doing it and I kept going to the extremes of I can I can do it more I can do it more um, did your parents ever kind of get a whiff of what was going on yes and no um I masked it a lot of uh, the famous line, oh, I already ate. I already ate. Um, but it was not severe and it was not physically seen until I was 15 at 80 pounds. Whoa. And people were then pulling me aside and saying, you've gotten really skinny. And people would say, you, you look like a skeleton. And I would say, thank you. I thought I did it. I won. And people would say, no, this is a problem. And I would get furious. I was so angry. I was like, I'm not the problem. You're the problem. And I was, I was mean. I really was because I was afraid. I said, just because I'm fit and healthy and pretty doesn't mean I have to be like you who overeats. Like I would deflect and I would just interesting um, because I was afraid, but nevertheless, I was. So what were you afraid of that? They're going to tell your parents and put you into. No, it was actually my parents who pulled me aside and said, you have an eating disorder. And I actually said, and looking back at it now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was not there. Like I was not all there, right. but I was, I was afraid. And I said, just because you have an eating disorder doesn't mean I do. <laughs> so <laughs> go to your room Lindsay, yeah, you're to yeah, little Lindsay literally little Lindsay was a little sassy I had my door taken away in high school for like six months I get it the high school girls are just different but <laughs> what'd your mom say to that that's it it was more like, like we're we're going to the we're going to the doctor yeah um as she as she should like, yeah and I was so mad. I was so mad um, because I really didn't think I had a problem. I was doing everything. I know people can't see me, but with the air quotes, right. So in that moment, did you love your body at that time? Yeah. I still thought that there could have been uh, room for improvement. Oh my gosh. I, um, and my mom would show me pictures and say, Lindsay, do you not see your ribs in this photo? Do you not see your ligaments? And I would, I literally said this because body dysmorphia is a real thing as well. Oh, 100%. I said, 
those aren't my ribs, mom. Those are my abs. And I thought I was just the fittest, most beautiful thing where now I can look at those pictures and say, where's my hair? It was falling out. But I didn't see that before. So anyways, my mom, uh, she got me into a doctor's office, um, then started the recovery. And I say that lightly because I didn't want to recover. I went through all the doctor's appointments, dietitian's appointments, uh, counseling appointments, and I said everything that they wanted to hear, but I didn't do everything that they wanted me to do. I um, would lie to them. (laughs) I'd say, yeah, I'm going with my, I'm eating my meal plan. Yeah, for sure. When I was throwing my lunches away at school or no, I'm, I'm not working out when my parents would go to sleep and I'm doing crunches in my, in my room. (laughs) Like, wow. And it was so severe that I, I had a dog and they said, you can't walk the dog because if you sweat too much, your heart will stop. And by God's grace, I am still here. And I know that for sure, because in the like hottest part of the day, I would sprint up and down in my neighborhood. Oh my gosh. And um, because I thought my, my stomach was maybe a little jiggly. Was there some sort of person or image you were like, not until I get this weight will I be pretty or something? That is the thing about anorexia, at least in my case. I don't want to speak for everyone. It is so addicting. It is like a game because when I was first starting my diet, first going on my weight loss journey, I just wanted to get to 100 pounds. And I, once I got there, I was like, mm, I can probably do another. How about another? And it was like whenever you're playing a game, like a video game, and you get to next level where you level up. Yeah. When the scale was leveling down, that was like next level. And so it was, I didn't feel like I would, there was no part of that of, okay, I'm done. I probably would have kept going until there was no going anymore. It's like a dopamine gets released every time you quote unquote, Mm -hmm. reach that next level. And I didn't understand this at the time. There was a lot I didn't understand at the time. One, because my body was not functioning, functioning the way that it needed to, and my brain especially. But for some reason, I still remember this. Someone said to me, I, I was like, again, defending myself. I was like, but I have all this energy. I have like, why are you saying I'm not fueling my body? I have all this energy. And they said, because you are running on adrenaline and sometime that adrenaline is going to wear out. And so I was. I was running on a stress hormone. Wow. So there I was in pretend recovery. <laughs> I just went through the motions. Um, but things did not, things didn't change. Um, things only started to change when I got to college. So I grew up in church. I would say that my family was the like to-do list Christian home, to-do list Christianity. We go to church on Sundays, maybe Wednesdays. We read our five-minute devotional and we give to the church. We never at home talked about scripture, read scripture together. We never had deep discussions about God and what God was doing in our lives. And if we did, it wasn't... It wasn't often because I don't remember it. And it felt as if your your relationship with God is dependent on the church. Your relationship with God is dependent on this private Christian school I'm sending you. And so it just didn't feel real. But um, I ended up going to James River College, which is a ministry school, and looking back, I'm like, oh, the Holy Spirit got me there. At the time, I was like, I just have this weird, like, gut feeling. I need to be there. But now I'm like, (laughs) yeah, that was the Holy Spirit for sure. Um, But I got there, and that was when we really started doing in-depth study of the Bible and deep theological discussions. And it was just like a light switch of, oh my goodness, This book isn't just a children's book. This book isn't a fairy tale. 
This book is a history book. It is alive, it is powerful, it is sharper than any double-edged sword, and it has the power to change and transform your life. And it started to do that in me. Wow. And, you know, you hear some of those stories. I want to say this as a comfort for anyone listening to this. You hear a lot of stories of, yep, God just met me in this moment, and my life was forever changed. That was not my story. That was not. It was, he was very patient with me, and he brought pastors, professors along my journey of helping me to understand scripture and to understand God and to understand who I am to him until it just became more real. And so it was a progression. It wasn't immediate. Um, The Lord was very patient with me. And um, in that process, that's when I realized, wow, God's grace has been so overflowing and abundant in my life because truthfully I should have been dead I've had so many people doctors friends families on multiple occasions saying I don't know how that didn't kill you because I've been in the hospital a lot and um ah dang I didn't think I'd get emotional I share the story a lot get emotional (laughs) this gets me (laughs) so I was laying literally on my deathbed I was ready. I thought I was going to go. And Is this in college or high school? Uh, this was in, this was junior or senior year of high school. Um, I, this was before I really, this was when I knew about God. I didn't know God. I still knew how to pray, but I was on my deathbed really. And I prayed and I said, I had so much fear and anxiety and depression and pain, physical pain. And I said, God, if you're ready, I'm ready. I want to come home. And it was, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was so loud and so clear that it should have been. And he spoke to me there in that hospital and said, not yet. There is work on earth that needs to be done that cannot be done from heaven. And girl, let me tell you, I was mad. I was so mad. I didn't want to live. And for that next year or two, I was just going through the motions of living, literally like, well, God said he wouldn't take me. So here I am living on earth and everything like goodness, thought he was a good God. And like, I was angry and it wasn't until I got to James River and I was like, wow, that was God's grace. And I had a godly perspective. I had an eternal perspective on my life and just allowed his grace to consume me and realized, okay, here I am. I'm here on earth. I have a purpose and I could have, I could have died, but God doesn't want me in heaven yet. There's purpose for my life. And so that's when I started to have this desire to eat again and similar to the anorexia, it was little by little, little by little, until it turned into binge eating. It went from one eating disorder to another. And that was honestly probably one of the harder things. Binge eating was probably more difficult than anorexia because anorexia, I had one focus, just lose weight, lose weight, lose weight. I didn't care about relationships. I really didn't care about the church. I didn't care about family. All I cared about was when I wake up, how many miles am I going to run and how many calories am I going to burn? Dang. And I'm waking up like, shoot, what am I going <laughs> to wear? Like, <laughs> like, but oh my gosh. after God got a hold of me and my mind was more open and I was open to relationships, I then realized, oh, I don't know how to process stress. I don't know how to go through grief. I don't know. It was literally like, okay, I'm living and I got to remember how to live. (laughs) But um, so there's a lot of extra mental things and emotional things I had to work through. And unfortunately, I went to food again. And I started binge eating and that brought so much shame. It really did. Because how do you go from one side of I am terrified of food and if I gain weight, I'm unlovable to binge eating and then still having that mindset of if I gain weight, I'm unlovable. But that's the thing is I, it's not the food, you know, exactly. It's just abusing for, I mean, and I, 
like like you said the anxiety the stress anytime i'm anxious or i find something out i just throw up i can't even help it but that is my immediate body response and so it's like i you know i, I can't uh -huh. i don't get it but it's like that's I do get in the aspect where it's like, you're not just crying, you know, it's, it's like physical, your body has to do something. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, then in college, I would say junior year. Yeah. Junior year. That's when I was like, I might have an eating disorder. <laughs> I had gone through you're like, I had, haven't I already seen this play? I'm just gonna, like. <laughs> I had gone through everything else uh, with the anorexia and literally going through a recovery program, not thinking I had an eating disorder until I started binge eating. And I was like, okay, my relationship with food is not healthy. And so, so were you, you know, over, overeating and then throwing it up? Is that what was that happening here? Or, um, honestly, I attempted that, but it Ugh, this sounds so bad. Um, but I attempted it. I was not successful every time. And so, um, if I wasn't successful, I used food as a punishment and I just kept going until I would literally just like want to pass out on my bed and sleep. I could sleep an entire day. And that was also an another form of escape. So most of the time it was just a binge that brought on a lot of pain so the binge and purging was just for like a short season, but it went mostly to just binge and restrict. Like Interesting. If, I, if I binge this day or even to the point of if I, how many calories did I just eat today? How many calories or how many days will I have to fast because of it? So it was, still having that control. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what, it, that's what it turned into. Um, but when I was like, okay, my relationship with food is not healthy. It is ruining my motivation. It is ruining my mental health. It's ruining my relationships and it's hindering what I want to do for God's kingdom. Um, I got into counseling and I was just like, I laid it all out on the table and I, she was a, the counselor I had was a huge blessing to me. Like she, she was the one who helped me realize the root of rejection. She was the one who helped me realize that, um, a lot of the eating disorder came from when I was six years old. She helped me dig up those past traumas and those past hurt and to help me have grace and compassion on myself for that phase of healing that I was in. And um, so let's say I, so I went through that and I, I feel like I just said all that of, yeah, I've been, I was binge eating, went into counseling and then all was better. Yes. But it took a lot of time. It took a lot of patience and compassion because it was a lot harder than how I just described. And that might be a lot of people listening of, well, that just sounds so easy. It wasn't. <laughs> it took a lot of time, a lot of counseling, a lot of tears, a lot of screaming into a pillow because it was frustrating. <laughs> right. Um, but it, that was the process I went on. Um, and... Uh, I graduated from that counseling session, that counseling program, and I have done really well. Not to say that I don't slip up sometimes. That's where I have to learn to have grace and right. compassion, but I, I'm nowhere near where I was in that season. Right, which is amazing. I mean, Lindsay, that is amazing. God is doing huge things through you, and you have grown so much just from when I've seen you last and from when we, when we had that class in the parking lot, you know? Um, but obviously, so you went through counseling, you know, you're getting things right. How do, how do you change that mindset? You know, like um, with the, the body dysmorphia, the way you viewed yourself, the, the view of the ideal perfect body, you know, how did you go in and physically recalibrate that in your brain? So a challenge that I had to do with my counselor was, um, this sounds silly, but it's kind of necessary sometimes, is a lot of people in the eating disorder community, they will know what this is, but they do body checks, which means if you go to the bathroom, you lift your shirt up, you check your stomach, or if you just walk by a mirror, you check how your legs look, and you're just checking, like, am I okay? Yeah. And so what I had to do was for, uh, I think it was one week or two weeks, 
I limited myself to only a face mirror and I shut the doors to um, my bathrooms that had larger mirrors and thankfully it was during quarantine where I really didn't have to worry about what I looked like in public but it was like a challenge of okay I'm in this house by myself I really want to weigh myself I really want to check how I look but I'm not going to um, unless it's to put contacts in with a face mirror right. or something like that <laughs> um, but so that that was a challenge because it had it forced me to realize I don't know what my body looks like right now how am I feeling it had to so this is this was something that I learned in that process when I threw my scale away and when I put the mirrors up I realized I was allowing the scale and the mirrors my image to tell me if I was allowed to be happy with myself or if wow. I was allowed to be loved it went from am I loved from other people to I don't love myself because I look like this but how many times is that so true for so many things in life you know oh we didn't get to be with this or oh we didn't get that or oh we didn't do this I must not be loved you know I yeah. don't and that's that's unreal you know you're tapping into the core of how you know I need to value myself mm -hmm. whether or not the scale changes, you know? Yes. So that was something I had to do. But then there was a book I read called Growing Strong. I don't remember the author, unfortunately. But she has a quote in it that wrecked me. And I was like, ooh, conviction. But that is, like, it, it just transformed the way that I thought. And she said, we are not created to perfect our image. We are created to reflect his image. That's good. And so it's such a simple thing and it's easier said than done. But really, coming from someone who has had an eating disorder, it is so selfish and it is so self-absorbed. Um, and I can say that because I went through it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure if 15-year-old Lindsay were to hear someone say that, I would have gotten mad. So I'm probably ruffling some feathers right now. But... <laughs> It's so true. Get your eyes off of yourself. Get your eyes off of the mirror, off of the scale, and get your eyes to Jesus because you are only focusing on yourself, and that's pride, and that's sin. Sheesh. Sorry. <laughs> I can't even help it. I mean, that's that's insane. That's that's right on. You know, nail in the head. And then, I mean, I feel like there's things, too, where I deal with a lot of sometimes, like, on and off, like, depression or, like, things like that. And sometimes, you know, this is not an answer for everything, but sometimes I'm like, Morgan, stop focusing on these little things that make you sad and start focusing on what you can do for God. Like, start focusing in your words, start focusing on how you can just help other people, you know? Mm -hmm. And obviously, you want to deal with your stuff, you know, you want to unpack yeah. that, but it's also, like, kind of get your head out of just your situation and yeah. check on someone else, you know, kind of... You know, I mean, and that's kind of like our story from the very beginning. I was going through my own stuff and I was all self-absorbed. Yeah. <laughs> focusing on, oh my gosh, I can't believe how much I just ate. I feel like crap. I feel ugly. Like, what are people going to think? And then you're there and it just shifted my focus and realized what I'm going through. Sure, it's important and it's important to God, but it's not the big picture. Yeah. Yeah. I think you said it 100% correct. Um, so one of my next questions is through this eating disorder and recovery, what was one of the biggest supporters that kind of helped you um, get out of that? And also, what is one of the biggest temptations or triggers that would kind of come in and interrupt that? Biggest supporter. Okay, so I am a very practical person. I'm, I cannot stand when people come out with a bunch of words and a bunch of just like, yep, this is what I did, you're gonna do it, it's gonna be great. And then they don't give you tools on how to be successful. Can't stand that. So I, um, if I can word recovery and um, just how to go from point A to point B, there's three steps. There's your why. Why do you wanna recover? And for me, that was a strong thing that kept me going of realizing God's grace on my life. And um, 
It might not be a case of, oh, I don't want to live, but it could just be someone wanting to um, become healthier or stop drinking or um, if they're addicted to porn, getting like getting off the website. Like it could be, why do I want to do this? Your why has to be stronger than your desire for whatever it is. And um, so know your why and then your who. So the, those supporters. Um, be careful with have be careful with the people that you put in your corner. I would say have one to two people that you are 100% completely raw, real and vulnerable with. Um for me, that's my husband and a counselor. Um like to the point of humiliation be so real. Like there are things there was one night where um, I was just telling my husband some stuff that was happening and some stuff that I like was struggling with in the past that no one knows about me except him now. And I was humiliated, and but I knew humiliation would bring uh, healing. And it, it did. It for sure did. And I said to him, I was like, oh my goodness, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to anyways. I was like, I feel like I'm naked in front of you for the very first time again. And I'm like, I just like, that's how it feels. Right, just like and super vulnerable. Yeah, so it might be with a counselor. It might be with um, a pastor. Um, but have one to two people where you are just like, this is what I'm feeling right now. This is what I did. This is what I'm going through. Because if you have... Um, for example, if you have anorexia, there's going to be a lot of fear foods out there and it might be silly. And, um, I hope I can comfort anyone who hears this, who's going through that. I was probably afraid of every single food you can think of, except for maybe broccoli. Like there was one time where I was the only food I'm afraid of, (laughs) (laughs) but like I was, um, afraid of bananas because there's too much sugar in them. I was afraid of, uh, dairy, um, because go vegan and like, (laughs) like you go through phases of this is my fear food and it might be silly, might be embarrassing. Um, but humiliation brings healing. Um, wow. And Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> but I want when I say that, I want to say be careful with who you allow in your corner because too many people and too many opinions brings too many confusion, brings too much confusion. And I would say pray, pray for that community, pray, um, God, who is this person that's gonna walk alongside me in this journey that I can trust with my heart that um, will give me wise counsel in truth and help me to lead, help me to live a life that you created me to live. Um, but yes, be be very careful because I had to learn that the hard way. Not everyone's gonna be compassionate. Not everyone's gonna be understanding, and that can hinder your healing. Um, and then the last one for going from point A to point B, which is going to make a lot of people upset. It would have me too, but I had to learn the hard way. How? How do you do it? You experiment. You figure out what works for you. You experiment and figure out your triggers. Why why did this cause me to binge? Why am I having a panic attack at the dining room table? What environments are triggering me? Um, Is there a certain diet that works best for me? And I mean, we live in a body positivity uh, world right now where everything is highlighted on intuitive eating, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. You can eat everything. And that might not just work for you. Like for me personally, life after eating disorder, I'm having a lot of hormonal imbalances. And if I were to eat everything and anything I wanted, that would just cause me even more struggle. So you're gonna have to figure it out for yourself but that's where grace and compassion comes in. And um, so biggest hindrance, is that what you said? Biggest downfall? Yeah, what was the, um, I guess, one of the biggest triggers or temptation in the healing process? Uh, I mean, I guess with what I learned in those three, uh, don't hide, really. Um, be be naked, really. <laughs> Just with your... Get naked. <laughs> uh, with your with your process of healing and um have compassion on yourself have grace that's because huge shame does nothing for you except hinder you from taking the next step 
it there's no purpose in shame and i had to deal with that a lot um and also ooh, i would say especially that i feel like this just came from the holy spirit especially in today's society where everything is feelings based you might feel that unlovable you might feel afraid you might feel like a burden you might feel that but bottom line if that is not the word of god put your feelings out the door because allow your feelings to fuel your faith that's good I, i shouldn't have said just put it out the door acknowledge them and say i'm healing i'm feeling this way but if this is not truth that is straight from the pit of hell and i'm not going to receive it that's the only power that the devil has is tempting you and if you receive it yeah and even like when we met that day in the parking lot and you said give yourself grace that spoke to me so huge because my situation is different it's literally like nausea medical stuff but there were so many people like i remember when i before i graduated i was um I would say I was, I was 117 pounds, which is the smallest I've ever been in my entire life. And I hated it, but I was on anxiety medication at the time that gave me no appetite. I was stressed, I was sad, I did not want to eat. And I remember I was um, still serving and constantly people were telling me like, oh girl, you're so tiny, like you need to eat a sandwich, you need to eat a burger, you're not eating enough, put some meat on your bones. And some people would like take me to the side and be like, are you okay? I'm here for you. And which I appreciate, you know, people are sweet, people do care about me, but it was also humiliating in the fact because you're saying this in front of your friends and family and I'm your server, you know, or also it made me think, do I look wrong? You know, Mm. do I really look sickly? Because everyone keeps making these comments where it's like, I'm just trying to not throw up my dinner, you know? And so, you know, words affect people. And even for me, you know, it's like, I I know who I am in Christ. You know, I want to be healthy. I want to get to this place. But, you know, people, I don't think people realize sometimes like how, how their words can affect any body type. Oh, for sure. Any body type. It doesn't matter what size you are, you can be confident and strong in you who are. I just, I would just say, like, I hope that people can be more cautious about what they say and, oh, maybe she's the smallest one in the office, but, you know, it it can still affect a person 100% because, you know, maybe I don't think, you know, and I don't know. So, (laughs) no, I completely understand. But that whole grace thing, yeah. I would also say, like, that might not be for everyone. Uh, It might be affecting you more when, um when you're going through recovery or it might affect you more when you're trying to get healthy you might be at a point where you're not having the the throw up problem or any stomach issues you might be like oh i'm feeling good i'm feeling great like i am blessed and like if someone says a compliment or not like just it says something about your body of she's the smallest one in the office own who you are if you are healthy and you are happy and you know that you are just thriving in the body god gave you be like yeah i am or if you are someone else listening to this the thickest one in the office yeah "Yeah, Yeah, i am (laughs) and i mean you're so right it's really just feelings because i never i was like okay i know i'm super skinny right now because obviously i'm having this issue with food but when everyone was telling me that stuff it just super affected me but really I feel like if that was to happen to me today, you know, who I am, which my stomach is a lot better, but I'm also a stronger person than I was over a year ago. And so if that was to happen to me now, it's just like, I don't really care what you think, you know? Yeah. You, I don't really care what you think. I know who I am. And that's a testimony you know? of your story too. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely right though. Don't base your value, whether that be who you are in a person from your relationship past, from the scale, from what people say to you. It is who you are in Christ and who you want to be. Those are the exactly. things that matter, not what, you know. Yeah, and I'll, I'll throw one other thing out that I had to learn personally that I think the church shies away from speaking on is you hear a lot about the spiritual warfare. You hear a lot of our battles not against flesh and blood but against the spiritual authorities um oh goodness i'm messing that up but you know what i'm talking about they talk about the spiritual realm but they want to neglect 
the reality really of it. Um, we want to look at everything as a holistic approach. If you, so for me, yes, I had counseling. I, I've had to figure out how to balance my hormones. I've had to figure out how to heal my relationship with food, but there was a huge spiritual aspect to it. And um, so, like I said, the church does not speak about this um, as much as needed. Similar to when we say, when we lift our hands, Holy Spirit, I invite you into this body. I invite you into my life. He's faithful to do so. But what the enemy does is he will try to attempt, he will try to tempt you into sin because when you sin, that is an open door for him to come into your body. Right. And that is very real. Um, Again, might ruffle some feathers, but this is this happened. And um, my husband and I, we we just really felt like the Lord was pulling us in this direction of studying the spiritual realm, studying um, our enemy. Because, for example, like you're not going to go into a basketball or football game without studying your opponent and how they work. How are we going to win? How are we going to yeah. be victorious? So we wanted to study how um, how the devil works. And just like I said, when you are tempted and you sin, that's an open door. Or it could be a curse spoken to you. That's an open door. Or it could be through a divorce. That's an open door for the enemy to come in to your body and influence your life in a way that wouldn't be possible without one. And um, so we had studied a lot about deliverance and we studied a lot about um, the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And there are videos. There's um, also like a podcast that we listen to a lot is Isaiah Saldivar. He's a pastor who um, focuses mostly on, mostly on that area. But when you lay your hands on someone and say, if there is an evil spirit at work in this person's life, by the power and authority of Jesus Christ, manifest yourself. This happens a lot to Christians and they don't even know. The enemy likes to infiltrate a person's heart and mind and body and hide and impact their life without them knowing. And they could be God-loving, God-fearing Christians that just opened a door, had a door open for them. Yeah. Um, and so my husband prayed that over me and a demon had manifested and he had to cast it out and prayed with authority of Jesus Christ. And he asked, where did you come from? And it spoke and said, or it said, who are you? Where did you come from? And it said, I am the spirit of death. And it just made sense because I have had so many areas of my life that cause sickness, cause mental health. And um, where people said, you should have died. You should have died. Well, remember when you wanted to die. And I, don't, and I don't know if it came from the divorce or a curse I spoke over myself. I've, I've invited that in. But it is a very real truth. And I'm not responsible for how other people respond to this. I am only responsible for sharing truth and sharing biblical truth. And this is just a reality that needs to be spoken about more because I had no idea until God pushed us into studying this and we realized, oh my gosh, there's so much more. There's so much more that God wants to teach us. There's so much more that God wants to do in our lives. And just realizing that that was an open door that from maybe six years old, maybe 15 years old, but we look at it as a holistic approach and it could be natural. It could just be something from your past that um, you're dealing with and not being able to work through emotionally. Or it could have been something that happened to you that the devil came in and is wreaking havoc on your life and causing you physical pain, emotional yeah. pain. Um, so if you've tried absolutely everything you can to get healthy, to get free, to get um, to get whole, and it's just not working, try supernatural. And if it's not working, go back to natural because we, we live in, we are not called to live in this world and we are called to live supernatural lives. Not saying, Hey, come in me, like, like do that. Um, but to be aware of it and to close those doors yeah. and use the power and authority that Jesus Christ has for our lives because that shame, that sickness, that depression, that sin, it all died on the cross and it was covered with his blood. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that, Lindsay. Um, so in closing, just real quick, if you could give 
like a little phrase of encouragement to someone struggling with body dysmorphia, eating disorder, or whatever, what would you say? Is it? Um, I mean, I'd, I'd wrap it all up with uh, find your who. Find, your, find that person that will walk alongside you, have compassion and grace on yourself, and fill your mind with the word of God. Amen. That's awesome. Well, as you know, the cash money way to end every single show is a look inside your brain. Um, so if you could give us your favorite song, your favorite quote, and what you see your legacy or what would you want your legacy to be? Okay. So we talked about this before. I, I don't have a favorite song because like it always depends on what season I'm in, but anything from Maverick City right now, I just, I love Maverick City. Um, my favorite quote, I had to get it pulled up here. Um, it, it literally changed my life. It says, um, this is a quote from an atheist, Pin Gillette. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And I'm going to summarize it because it's kind of long. But he says, I'm an atheist. And this is what I don't understand about Christians. If you truly believe in God and you believe there is a heaven and hell and you are not willing to uh, face maybe some social awkward conver- like socially awkward conversations or face judgment or um, being an outcast for the sake of someone's eternity, how much do you have to hate that person to not share the gospel with them? Dang, that's, that's deep. It is, but it's my favorite because that is just so motivating. And I'm like, that is so true though. How many times do we get stuck up in, well, I don't know what they'll think. I don't care what they think. This is a matter of where they're going to end up when they, when they die. They might not have tomorrow. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, there it is. Yeah. My bad. I feel like I just got really deep here, but I just, that's my favorite. That is. Lindsay's <laughs> just a deep person. That's just, it, there, there's no like lukewarm, like I want some light. No, it's just, you're going to get no. the deep, like, um, so, I mean, if you could just real short kind of, you know, you, what you want your legacy to be, or even how you view yourself today, mm-hmm. you know, if you could just express that. Man, um, I would say that I would want my legacy to be that God's hand and power was on my life and that I didn't waste an opportunity. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then mindset-wise, how do you view yourself today? Well, I was telling you this a bit before the podcast, but um, this was a huge victory just for me. And I realized this two weeks ago, like I said, I'm going through some hormonal imbalances, trying to figure some stuff out. And, um, in the process, they say, you might have to eat more. You might have to eat more calories, uh, get some more fatty foods. And I didn't care. I wasn't afraid. I said, whatever it takes to get me healthy. And when I said that, I was like, Oh my God, gosh like who Who is she (laughs) and so yeah like um just a complete whole um mind shift of I just want to be healthy doesn't matter what I look like yeah that's amazing that's amazing well thank you so much Lindsay for coming into spring Vegas um (laughs) for this interview and I just hope that someone gets impacted by this episode. I know that I'm already impacted. I'm like, shoot, <laughs> got me crying in the club. Oh my um, goodness. But definitely if you guys haven't subscribed to the podcast, subscribe, hit that five stars if you're feeling it. If you're not, it's okay, it's okay, I can handle it. Um, check out my Instagram at Keeping Up With Cash. Uh, but definitely keep up with the uh, podcast. I got a lot of interesting things coming up this summer. I'm so excited. Every single day I'm always like thinking of new things or whatever. Um, but also, if, if there's anything, like if this touches you or you have an idea or, oh, sorry, that was my phone. Yes, my ringtone is the Office theme song because I love the Office. That should be the closing song. All right, <laughs> bye, folks. <laughs> no, but seriously, please always feel like you can reach out to me. Um, I'll pray for you. I'm always open to hearing, you know, other topics you want to see talked on or um, hearing your story and how these episodes have impacted you in your life. So thank you so much again for keeping up with Cash. Uh, See you soon. Bye.